Welcome to this KC Connect podcast brought to you by IBEX Employer Relations Team. Across this series of short episodes, we will provide insight and expertise on some of the most common challenges for our members and discuss the case law shaping the employer relations landscape. My name is Lorraine Parks and I'm joined by my colleague Liz Murphy. Liz and I are executives in IBEX Knowledge Centre and for the next 10 minutes or so, we will discuss the employment law landscape and new laws designed to make it easier for employees to balance paid work and private life. Liz, it's evident that much of the new legislation introduced this year or in the pipeline demonstrates the increasing emphasis on work-life balance and a focus on measures to enhance family-related leave for employees. But I think it's fair to say that employees are already entitled to a variety of caring and family-related leave under Irish law. That's right, Lorraine. Depending on their personal circumstances, employees may be entitled to one or more of the existing suite of protective leaves, which include maternity, adoptive, paternity, parents and parental leave. That's along with force majeure leave and carers leave. As we know, when an employee is on a protective leave, in general, their contractual and statutory rights are protected. That is with the exception of pay and pensions. In terms of recent modifications to family leave, Changes have been made to adoptive, paternity, parents and parental leave over the past couple of years. For example, what we've seen is who's eligible for adoptive leave has been broadened. Previously, only an adopting mother or sole male adopter was entitled to adoptive leave. However, now an adopting couple may choose which parent will avail of adoptive leave. Eligibility for paternity leave has also been expanded, so it's now consistent with the eligibility criteria for adoptive leave. So now, the other parent in an adopting couple who does not avail of the adoptive leave may avail of the paternity leave. Meanwhile, parental leave is currently at 26 weeks per parent for each child under the age of 12 or 16 for a child with a disability. The entitlement to parents' leave for eligible employees, which is separate to the parental leave entitlement I just mentioned, increased in 2021 from two weeks to five weeks. And then in July of 2022, we saw the parents' leave increase again from five to seven weeks. So employees can now take parents' leave within the first 24 months of the child's birth or placement for adoption, an increase from 12 weeks. I should note, though, that the increase does apply retrospectively. So in other words, parents who had taken five weeks parents leave prior to July 2022 gained an entitlement to the additional two weeks if their child had not reached the age of two when the leave is taken. And that's the key thing there. It's also worth bearing in mind that the parents leave and benefit is scheduled to increase to nine weeks from August 2024. As well as this, as you'll be aware, Lorraine, the coming weeks and months will see new and additional related leave for employees. That's correct, Liz. Now, when government launched its spring 2022 legislation programme in January of this year, it was evident early doors that some of the main items of interest from an employment law perspective would result in further increases in family related leave and serve to further boost work life balance. For example, The government published its report on the pre-legislative scrutiny of the General Scheme of a Work-Life Balance and Miscellaneous Provisions Bill 2022 in June of this year. The bill will give effect to an EU Work-Life Balance Directive. The legislation was due to be implemented by the 1st of August of this year. 
However, the related bill has yet to be brought to government. In a nutshell, the proposed legislation will give parents and carers of children under 12 the right to request flexible work for caring purposes. It will introduce five days unpaid leave for medical care reasons and extend paid entitlement to breastfeeding breaks from the current six months to two years. In relation to the right to request flexible working arrangements for caring purposes, the bill provides that an employer can postpone a request for flexible working arrangements and can also refuse a request for flexible working arrangements. As an FYI, reasons for a postponement or refusal must be given in writing and an employer must consult with the employee before. In terms of grounds for postponement, as currently drafted, these are similar in nature to those that apply in the context of postponing parental leave. The process for availing of the new leave for medical care purposes, meanwhile, appears to be similar to force majeure leave. The leave is for five working days per calendar year for a relative or a person who lives in the same household as the employee. The leave can be fragmented, but not in periods of less than one day. Liz, the government's priority list of legislation for 2022 also included the introduction of statutory sick leave and an employee's right to statutory sick pay in Ireland. What would you say are the key points of note contained in this particular piece of legislation? So first of all, the Sick Leave Act 2022 was signed into law by the President on the 20th of July. However, it's yet to be commenced by an order of the Minister and related regulations are also expected to be published soon. So in brief, the new legislation, when it commences, will introduce an entitlement to statutory sick leave for employees who would ordinarily work but are incapable of doing so due to illness or injury. The right to receive the statutory sick pay will be phased in over a four-year period, which will commence with an entitlement to three days in 2022, increasing to five days in 2024, seven days in 2025, and ultimately increasing to 10 days in 2026. It will be initially paid at a rate of 70% of an employee's gross wage, but that will be subject to a daily threshold of €110 from the first day of illness. The leave will also be subject to a medical cert and the leave may be taken either consecutively or in single days. Just to note, Section 9 of the legislation provides that if an employer already provides more favourable sick leave benefits to an employee, they will not be obliged to comply with the statutory sick pay rules. However, an employer will have to demonstrate that any discretionary or pre-existing scheme is more favourable than that provided for in the legislation. IBEC, on behalf of employers, has asked for clarification on what constitutes a more favourable pre-existing scheme to be included in the final legislation. However, Section 9 remains as initially drafted. Listeners will also be aware of the government's plan to establish a legal framework around the right to request remote working. And there's no doubt that the COVID-19 pandemic accelerated existing trends in this area. Lorraine, could you maybe summarise for listeners what the term remote work encompasses and tell us what the current state of play with the government plans in this area are? Sure, Liz. Well, the term remote work refers to the broad concept of an arrangement where work is fully or partly carried out at an alternative work site other than the default place of work. By way of background, the commitment to introduce legislation to underpin employees' rights to request remote work 
was made in the National Remote Work Strategy, published by government in January of 2021. This remote work strategy identified a number of key actions to be taken by the government in order to promote and facilitate remote working, including mandating that home and remote working should be the norm for 20% of the public sector in 2021, investing in remote working hubs and accelerating the provision of high-speed broadband throughout the country. Central to the government's remote work strategy is the creation of an environment conducive to remote working by enhancing employees' rights through, one, a right to disconnect, and of course we saw the WRC Code of Practice come into force on the 1st of April of last year in relation to this, and two, the introduction of a legal framework around the right to request to work remotely. This resulted in the publication of the draft scheme of the Right to Request Remote Working Bill 2022, and that was published in January of this year. So the draft scheme provides that employees with six months continuous service may submit a request for remote working to their employers. The draft scheme sets out a list of information which must be included in any such request on the part of the employee. And any such request must be responded to within 12 weeks by the employer. Employers at the time welcomed the broad and non-exhaustive list of considerations under which employers can consider requests for remote working. And these included reasons such as the nature of the work not allowing for it to be done remotely, the potential negative impact on quality of business, product or service, the potential negative impact on employee performance, concerns around internet connectivity, business confidentiality, data protection, health and safety and other matters. Under the draft scheme, employees are not entitled, interestingly, to submit a new request until 12 months has elapsed since the the, the previous one. Importantly, the new legislation will also introduce a requirement for all employers, regardless of size or sector, to put in place a formal remote working policy. It's intended, by the way, that the WRC will produce a related code of practice. It's also important to stress that many of the provisions contained in the draft scheme have proven very controversial and may be subject to change. So very important to flag that to employers. The right to request remote working proposals, as we understand, are currently undergoing committee pre-legislative scrutiny and government had indicated that uh, it was intended to have the legislation in by the end of Q3 of this year. But this timeline may, of course, be subject to change. So it seems that 2022 continues to be a pivotal year for employment rights as developments continue apace, Lorraine. Oh, for sure, Liz. For example, to date, we have seen legislation in relation to gender pay gap reporting regulations introduced in June of this year. The Thonish announced proposals to introduce a living wage to be phased in for four years commencing in 2023. We've seen enhanced protection for whistleblowers signed into law just last month. In addition, a deadline for a, a new EU uh, directive in relation to transparent and predictable working conditions uh, came into to play in August. It has direct effect, but we await the SI uh, from our own national legislators to see, um, I suppose, the detail of how it will apply in this jurisdiction. As well as that, the Taoiseach has stated that a comprehensive pension strategy is expected soon. Minister English has recently said that he plans to modernise the employment permit system. And of course, um, and incidentally, that's by the end of this year in relation to the permits piece. And of course, we can look forward to an extra public holiday from next year on, giving uh, employees an entitlement to 10 in a calendar year. 
So really in summary then, a slew of new legislation happening this year with much of it designed to promote increased work-life balance and boost existing family-related leave. So a priority for employers really should be to ensure their policies and procedures are fit for purpose. That concludes this episode. Thanks for listening. For more content like this, be sure to explore the audio hub on ibec.ie and follow ibec on Twitter at ibec underscore IRL.